If you're curious to engage with a lot of the topics we explore on the podcast in more creative and embodied ways, we welcome you to join us in Alchemize, our 10-week audio-based program of daily imagination practices intended to disrupt status quo ways of thinking, sensing, relating, and being. To be honest, without any grant support for our show right now, and we did just get turned down by several mainstream environmentalism philanthropies, this program and our Patreon are our primary means of supporting our labor for these free podcasts right now. We really want to remain untethered to corporate interests, and every small contribution to our Patreon or enrollment in our program Alchemize helps to ensure that we can continue producing these vital conversations that feature voices and perspectives often sidelined from mainstream media. So if you value our work and want to dive deeper with us, join us in Alchemize today at greendreamer.com slash alchemize and join our Patreon starting at just $3 at patreon.com slash greendreamer. Thank you so, so much for however you were able to support our work during these critical times. We are so deeply grateful. Green Dreamer is supported by our listener patrons. To support the show starting at just $2 per month and access extended content, you can head to greendreamer.com slash support to learn more. It's so integral and imperative that we we support our whole body health. You know, we think about that part of our body, our vagina and our butt, right? Like that part of our body feels the most pleasure. That part excretes the stuff our body doesn't need. That part of our body creates babies and creates human life. Without that, we wouldn't be here. That was Mickey Agrawal, an award-winning serial social entrepreneur an author. Her latest book is called Disrupt Her, and she's also the founder of three notable and disruptive brands that you may have heard of, Thinks, Tushy, and Wild. Stay tuned as we're about to explore the environmental impact of menstrual products and toilet paper, what it takes to disrupt culture to welcome new norms and new ways of thinking, and more. Green Dreamer, if you're ready, take a deep breath and let's dive in. Hey, it's Kamea Shane, and this is Green Dreamer, a podcast exploring our paths to ecological balance, intersectional sustainability, and true abundance and wellness for all. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe, and together, let's learn what it takes to thrive in every sense of the word. So in 2001, I just graduated from Cornell university and I got a job in investment banking down right by two world trade center. And I spent July and August doing the training program right at two world trade center. And uh, I officially started my job the first week in September of 2001. And my subway stop every single morning was two world trade center. I would basically get off the train, walk upstairs to get tea with my girlfriend who worked on the hundredth floor. And then I would walk directly across the street to my, to my job. And so nine 11 happened and it was the most like, it's like, you can't make this movie up kind of a day where 700 people, in my girlfriend's office died on that wow. day. You know, she worked on the hundredth floor and two people in my office died on that day. And it was the single only day in my life, my whole entire life that I slept through my alarm clock. Never before, never after 
from that day to this day, have I slept on my alarm clock before? It was like the most interesting stat for me because it was, I just slept right through my alarm clock. I woke up at 10 o'clock in the morning and I missed the whole thing. And I remember I woke up and I was so worried because I just started officially my investment banking job on very serious wall street, you know, wearing my pearl necklace and stuff. And, you know, and I was like, Oh shit, this is crazy. I can't believe I'm late for work. And I, I tried like calling every car service and they were all the lines were busy and out of context, it doesn't make any sense. Right. I finally got in touch with a, with a car service company and I was like Kylan calling and finally it picked up and I was like, I need a car. I'm late to work. And the guy on the other, on the other line said, turn your TV on. And I was like, turn your TV on. What are you talking about? And I remember it like it was yesterday to this day. And when he said that, turn your TV on. And I was like, what are you talking about? I need a car. Like, give me a car right now to turn your TV on. And then he hung up on me. And like, again, out of context, you're like, turn, I don't understand what's happening. I just need a car to go, to go to my office. And I finally, like, nobody was picking up. Nobody's returning my calls. Every line was busy. I was like, I don't understand what's happening. So I finally turned the TV on and then the whole world completely just blew up in front of my eyes. And I checked my email and I had a hundred emails, people freaking out, thinking I was there. My family was so worried about me and I'd missed the whole thing. And it was that that was the, the moment was, it was sort of like such a wake up call moment for me. And it was when I realized that the mystery of life was that you never know when it's going to end, you know, and the time was absolutely in that moment to make every moment count. And I really, with so much resolve, wrote down three things I wanted to do with my life. And investment banking certainly was not one of them. (laughs) So the first thing I wanted to do was play soccer professionally the second was to make movies. And then the third was to start a business. And very shortly thereafter, I quit my job after making the New York magic soccer team. I mean, there's a lot long, longer, much bigger story there, but you can check it all out. My, my first book I wrote, which is called do cool shit. And a lot of it, that story kind of unfolds in that book Mm -hmm. and also talks about how I started my first business and raised the money and got press and did everything for the first time without any experience. And but yeah, that was it was a really, really wake up crazy wake up call for me. Well, I've been having major chills for the past three minutes of you talking. As you moved on from here, as you went into this business world, what were your inspirations to tackle our sustainability and health issues to begin with? What were some of your inspirations there? I, you know, my, my name Mickey in, in Japanese means three beautiful trees. (laughs) And I just grew up with so many trees and plants in my backyard. I grew up in Montreal, Canada, in in the suburbs of Montreal and, and had a, had a big, beautiful backyard. I had a big, big oak tree in my backyard and I, I, my identical twin sister and my, my third sister, we, we each had our own tree that was planted, a peach tree, a cherry tree and an apple tree. And my tree was the apple tree. And, and I remember like really taking care of it. We had three incredibly delicious smelling lilac trees in my backyard. And I just grew up really loving nature and, and, and really just having a relationship with it. And as I moved to the United States and, and, and grew up, you know, in, uh, over the last 20 years, almost 20 years here in, in New York, really in my adult life, just started seeing like really the, the climate change issues and the waste and the single use plastics and the single use diapers and the single use toilet paper and the single use straws and the single use containers. And just, it just, I mean, the shit's going somewhere, you know, mm. and, and it became very clear that sustainability and creating products that really matter both 
for the advancement of, of, of the human race, but then also for the planet was, was going to be critical in the things I want to do with my life. And so sustainability was, was definitely one of the, one of the key pieces. Right. So in light of all of this, you became a serial social entrepreneur and you have three primary projects that I'm sure many of our listeners have heard of, and I'm sure you have more things going on, but uh, you have Thinks, the period-proof underwear company, if it's not TMI, and you encourage me to feel like it's never TMI. I'm actually wearing mine right now. So thank you for creating this. (laughs) You started Tushy, which sells modern day bidets, and you have Wild, which is a farm-to-table gluten-free pizza concept. I would love to talk more about periods and poop with you because I may not otherwise get the chance to do that. So let's talk about periods. Sure. Thinks was created to disrupt how people who menstruate have been managing this every single month. Do we know how much menstrual products we're currently throwing out every year? And how do we come to be so wasteful with this routine? Yeah, I mean, you know, right now, 20 billion plastic tampon applicators end up in landfills every single year, and that number continues to go up. Um, And that's not recyclable? Non-recyclable. It takes between 500 and 800 years for plastic applicators and pads to break down. Oh, my. And so it's a very real issue. And, And the reason why is that it's convenient, right? People find the fact that single use products to be convenient. You know, you, you, you use it once and you have a clean one. You don't have to wash anything. You just throw it away and you use another one. And back in the day, people used to use, they they used to say you're on the rag because they used to use rags Mm. and they would put them down there and you'd wash the rags, you'd hang them, you'd line dry them, and then you'd use them again and again and again every month. And you just had a bunch of rags that you use during, during that time. And as capitalists came to create things and big companies like Procter and Gamble and Kimberly Clark and Charmin and the Scotts brothers who created toilet paper, these types of, of, of venture capitalists, entrepreneurs, capitalists, et cetera, wanted to create products that people can buy over and over again, consumables, you know, to buy something, you'd have to keep buying it over and over again. And so they basically created a market where soap, I mean, soap is another perfect example where soap was, was considered a, a, a product where women were shamed unless they were, they bought soap. You know, they were like, oh, you stink. You're not good for your, you're not going to be smelling good for your husbands, et cetera. And, and so women started watching, you know, buying soaps. And, and that's why the word, the term soap opera came to be because they were they would play soap commercials mm. in between these sort of like soap operas and so these shows and so and then pe- women would get advertised to that they were stinky and that they needed to buy soap and that's how this sort of soap industry began and that's kind of like how so many of the industries began Scott's paper the Scott's brothers in the late 1800s decided that they were they wanted to create a product that humans had to consume over and over again they can buy over and over again so they created this soft tissue type thing called toilet paper and they just marketed the hell out of it to people not really considering the fact that it's killing 15 million trees per year and growing, you know, that number is, you know, growing year over year as more people are, are just consuming more and more toilet paper. Now the average, I mean, the, the the statistics show that the average American uses three rolls of toilet paper per week. (laughs) I mean, it's insane. And so people are just wasting, they just don't even think about it and they just wrap it around their hands over and over again, it just doesn't make any sense. And so, you know, why I'm really proud of our, our new company, Tushy, you know, and by the way, go to hellotushy.com and do not go to tushy.com. It's a very graphic porn site. 
So go to hellotushy.com, hellotushy.com. And so, yeah, when you, when you go there, you, you'll see what our product is. It looks like this beautiful iPhone, like next to your toilet. It's a lo-fi product. It's not electrical or there's no plumbing required. It takes 10 minutes to install. It's only $69 and it easily clips onto your existing toilet and turns any toilet into a bidet in less than 10 minutes. And if you think about like right now, what we're doing, we're taking dry paper and we're smearing poop around in the dirtiest part of our body. You know, the part that's excreting all the toxins and all sort of like the stuff that our body doesn't need. And instead of washing it properly with water, we're taking dry paper and just smearing it around and then sitting <laughs> on that all day long, it, which promotes like infections and diseases and all these issues. And um, from a health hygiene perspective, but then also from a planetary perspective, it's killing 15 million trees to make toilet paper. It's not great for our pocketbook you know, in long term. And so buying a bidet one time, our bidet attached from buying a tushy one time within three months are paid back and you use 80% less toilet paper to pat dry. We actually have organic bamboo towels that you can use to pat dry because it's like you're taking a shower. Mm. And the analogy that I love to give is that, you know, imagine if you jumped in your shower and did not turn your water on and instead just used dry paper <laughs> to, to, to like wipe down your dirty you know, your, your dirt, your armpits and your, 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 all the parts of your body that are dirty, people will be like, what are you doing? Right. <laughs> or if you're at your dirty dishes and instead of turning the water on and washing your dishes, you take dry toilet paper and you're like wiping the dishes down and putting the dishes <laughs> away. People will be like, what are you doing? Like we've been so deeply indoctrinated. I mean, indoctrination is real. Indoctrination is powerful and we have been so deeply conditioned to believe that this dry paper that's smearing poop around is actually properly cleaning us when it's not. Like people are like, oh, well, a bidet, doesn't it just spray poop everywhere? It's like, no, no, no. It pulls <laughs> the poop, pulls the poop in the water down into the toilet in a really clean, it's a precise shower for your butt. It pulls it down into the bowl. And, and then people are like, well, isn't it using like dirty toilet water or the tank water? And we're like, no, no, it's not using a toilet or a tank water. It's pulling the water from the wall, the same water you brush your teeth with. It's like the most obvious game-changing thing you can possibly do. I mean, I've never felt cleaner down there. I've never felt more confident. I've never had a UTI, an, an infection, no fissures, nothing. You know, you think about people who use wet wipes. Wet wipes strip away the natural oils from behind, causing anal fissures, anal itching, all these things. People think like, oh, wet wipes must be the cleanest thing, but it has chemicals in it. It's terrible for the environment. It's terrible for the sewage systems. In fact, New York City and, and cities like LA are trying to ban wet wipes because they block all the pipes and they cause so much sewage damages. People, you know, New York City alone spent $15 million in sewage pipe blockage issues from wet wipes. Wow. And so the only clear natural solvent is water. Water is a universal solvent. And we have just been deeply conditioned to believe that it's not the case. And so we're very, very excited to shift that consciousness in this country and save the planet, save our health and hygiene and save people's money. So, I mean, it really sounds like we've come to feel like we have all of these needs based on what these capitalist companies have been telling us. Yes. We've been convinced. Conditioned and indoctrinated 
deeply, like deeply held indoctrination. And that's why I, I wrote my book, Disrupt Her, my, my most recent book, Disrupt Her, because it really looks at 13 major areas in our life where we've been so conditioned to think a certain way, to act a certain way, to behave a certain way around all the major areas in our lives, money, re- relationships, just the, the concept of marriage, the concept of career, the concept of like of stuff, just every single major area in our lives, we've been conditioned to believe that there's a specific way to do them. This is how society said we should do them. And it's very, very hard for us to go against that unless we really question it, dissect why we believe those things, dissect why we've been conditioned to to think that way, why our parents and grandparents have been indoctrinated to then teach us to do the same things. And then to unravel that indoctrination, to unravel that conditioning takes a lot of understanding, takes a lot of research. And so I basically made it really, really simple and clear and easy for people to understand why, why these things have been created, where this condition comes from? What's the historical context of them so that we can decide for ourselves if it makes sense for us today, if it's actually authentic to ourselves. And if it's not, we have absolute total agency over ourselves and our lives to shift that for ourselves and for for the next generation. Mm. Now, because a lot of your products kind of require people to change their perspectives, change their habits, and people can be resistant to change. How did you go about creating this new market and need and encourage these new habits in your customers? Yeah, I mean, it's really about educating people, educating them not in a way that's super heady or super academic or super clinical or super medical or super technical, because that doesn't work. Because any of those strategies just don't, it's just people are like, huh, does it work? I don't get it. If they don't get it right away, then they're just done. They're not interested at all. So you have to talk to people like they're, you're talking to your friends. You talk to people, you're talking to your your family members, your kids, your best friends. You're talking about it in a in a simple, fun, engaging way that's excited and excitable and, and inspired and you're like, oh my God, this thing completely changed my life. And here's why you, everyone, you know, I think you guys should try it out and, and just do it in a way that's authentic and organic and, and from a, a, a place of truth and not from an advertising or heady or academic or clinical way, because that, that just doesn't work anymore. People don't want to be advertised to people don't want to be promoted to people just want to know, does this work? Is it good for me? Is it right for me? Like, does it, does it make my life better? And, and share, share that, educate me in a way that makes it fun for me to learn, not in a way that's boring. Hmm. So in light of this, do you feel like this is the approach that we need to increasingly take across all environmental issues is to not be so serious and focus all on the numbers or talk in this academic way, but to give our messages more as if we're talking to our friends? Absolutely. So one of the things I talk about constantly is accessible, relatable language. In order to shift culture, in order to change a conversation, in order to change people's behavior, going from using toilet paper for like many generations or or using menstrual products like a tampon or a pad for many generations and, and having people shift their behavior that they've been taught for so long, this is the way of doing things, it requires a very real thesis around how to shift behavior and how to shift culture. And I basically whittled it down to basically a three-pronged thesis. So prong number one, it has to be an absolutely the best-in-class product. The product has to be amazing. It can't be a, eh, it's okay product. It has to be a product that I want, a product that I use, a product that I love. Number two, you have to approach it from a really design-considered way. You have to consider design the design of it from every touch point of your brand, from your website to your product, to your packaging, to your Facebook ads, your Instagram ads, to your fonts, to your spacing, 
Every single thing that you put out in the world has to be thought through from a design-considered way. Like right now, for example, if you go to hellotoshi.com, I really hate my top div of my website. I want to change it. It feels very busy to me. I can't wait to change it. We're working on it right now because we're constantly improving it over and over again. But for the most part, it's a beautifully well-branded product. People love it. People think it's so, it's it's like such a beautiful design. People use it as an example product. Thinks was one of the, you know, from a design perspective, was, was one of the most game-changing design aesthetics in, in sort of like the, the last several years, the way we create our, our subway campaign ads, our ads were so beautiful, so minimalist, so thoughtful, so interesting, so artful, so creative. And people really used it as a reference point to copy us and create their own ads. And mm-hmm. so really considering design from every touch point of your brand is so critical to shift culture because when you're thinking about doing something completely differently, people are like, oh my God, they're talking about periods and poop. But if they're first... If their first reaction is, wow, that ad is gorgeous. Look how beautiful their website is. Oh, my God, the product is, wow, it's beautiful. Oh, wow, they're talking about periods. Oh, my God, they're talking about poop. But all of a sudden, they're more open to talking about it and more open to looking at it because their first reaction was, wow, that's beautiful art. Wow, that's gorgeous, right? And so because of that, it just opened up their spirit a little bit to have the conversation. And then the last thing is the last third and last prong to really shift culture and and shift behavior is accessible, relatable language across every touch point of your brand. It it can't be like, like I said, heady, academic, clinical, medical, technical. It can't be any of those things because if it was, people would be like, huh, I don't get it. This is weird. It's so, what's so confusing, weird, not interested. No. So the way we realize that what really works is the way you text your best friend. Mm. The way I text my best friend about anything that I'm doing is very different than when I'm trying to pitch to a customer or pitch to an investor or pitch to a partner or or pitch to a brand or do whatever. It's a very, very, very different thing the way you text your best friend. The way you text your best friend is a little messy, a little silly, a little funny, a little emoji heavy, a little hashtaggy, a little, you know, you add some just funny things. And people, your friends are like, the, the way you talk is just with, with natural ease, with sort of authenticity. It's just, it's not overthinking it. We tend to overthink so much when it comes to marketing, advertising, and putting things out. If you actually, the less you overthink it, the more authentic you are, the more you say exactly what you want to say and how you want to say it, the more people will be like, oh, thank you. Thank you so much for talking to me like, like, like a real person, like mm-hmm. a human being, like a friend. And those three things combined, best in class product, the beautiful considered design across every touch point of your brand and accessible relatable language across every touch point of your brand can completely shift culture and change behavior. Mm. Now, all of your social businesses are centered around product, products that are disrupting how people are doing things for better health, with better design, and that also at the same time just help people to live more eco-friendly lifestyles without having to try too hard because they truly just improve people's lives. With this in mind, I'm curious what your thoughts are on conscious consumerism and how to have that but not lead to overconsumption, which our consumers' culture can still encourage. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You have to be very, very careful with where you spend your dollars. I mean, like, for example, if you want to buy a tushy bidet or a travel tushy and you realize, oh my God, for 29 bucks, I just saved myself hundreds of dollars of buying disposable wet wipes or toilet paper, and I'm doing something good for the planet. And so, yeah, this is a good purchase. Or I'm buying a product like a composter, right? Like that's you're buying a thing, but you know that you're buying something that's going to help eliminate waste. And so 
that's a good purchase, right? And so as long as it eliminates, for me, the biggest thing is, can we eliminate single use things? Can we eliminate the overconsumption and buying over and over and over again of things? Those are good, smart purchases. Because if you can have something like, for example, Toshi Bidet, it lasts for years and years and years, and you're saving thousands of trees. You know what I mean? Like millions of trees collectively, tens of millions, you know, 15 million trees collectively. So it's like, that's the kind of stuff that I think about. Like I'm, I started shopping on Poshmark for my child's clothing. Poshmark is you, you could get stuff that are secondhand from other mothers who, who sell directly. And I buy, I buy a lot of my secondhand clothes, all my ch- child's clothes from Poshmark because I mean, number one, it's best for the environment. That's number one. Number two, I love the fact that it helps mothers not have the burden of of having extra clothes and, and turns them into little entrepreneurs. I love that. Mm-hmm. And then it's also more affordable. I really love that. I really love the fact that I'm not buying brand new kids' clothes that are hurting the planet. It's really frustrating. And I really like the fact that I get to recycle clothes for my child because I know that in two months he's going to outgrow it. Well, we're at a time when our society really needs to be disrupted from our status quo because clearly what we've been doing isn't leading us towards an end destination that we want to head towards. With us entering our sixth mass extinction, with our impacts so large that we're changing the climate of our planet, what do you think we need at a national and global level to be able to disrupt our modern civilization in a way that can help us turn around from all these messes that we've created? I mean, I think everyone has to literally, you know how like when you, when you teach a dog how not to like poop in the house, you kind of like have to put their nose in the poop a little bit and like, (laughs) and be like, this is not okay. Like, this is where you poop, you put poop, you help the poop outside. Like that's a strategy. Like, I don't know if people do that. I don't know if that's unkosher anymore, but I remember that was, that wasn't, I don't have any pets. So I, I I think that that's what you do. And sometimes when you, to teach your, your dog, I feel like we need to put our noses in the trash that we make and, and really, and really understand the garbage that we're, that we're creating and really like let it pile up in our house somehow, like, and, and have it be piled up in our backyard because guess what? China is not taking any, any, a lot of our recycling anymore. China's not taking a lot of our trash anymore. And so a lot of that's ending up in American soil and piling up in garbage Island and piling up on our shores. And eventually it's going to become a real problem. And I think we need to put our nose in the trash and really have to see the kind of ridiculous trash that we're, we're creating and to, and to then, and to then, I think we need to be taxed on our trash. Mm. Why I love Ithaca, New York. I went to Cornell. What's so amazing about Ithaca is that they charge people on per pound or something like that on the trash or, or per bag on the trash and, and recycling and, and composting is free. So they basically have composting trucks that come and pick up all the compost for free and then they charge per bag for trash. And I think when people start feeling it, feeling the burden of the trash, they'll start start making different decisions. And I, I really think we need to start doing that in that way because it's ridiculous. I mean, we, we need to start thinking about innovating in single use. So people are going back to getting the milkman, delivering the milk bottles every single you know few days, having people, like I used to get milk bottles growing up and I loved, I loved having the milkman dropping off the milk bottles. It feels like so ancient, but it wasn't that long ago that we had like the milk truck come by and pick up the milk bottles and replace it with new ones. I want to see that again, that we're recycling and reusing the bottles and the containers that we were we were using before, not just throwing them away. 
I think companies should be charged. I think all the cafes should be charged for all their products, which then they end up having to charge a consumer for all the bags and the, and the packaging so that the consumer again brings their Tupperware to the restaurants or to the places so that they, they then don't have to pay extra. I think it just needs to become something where people have to feel the burden of, of the single use thing. Mm. You know, I like that, that Whole Foods started to charge for, for, you know, bags and, and things like that. I think it's all oh, 10 cents is not enough. I think people should be charged dollar. So it's a real significant thing that if you, you know, it's like a subway card. If you lose your subway card, you have to pay a dollar to, to get a new subway card. And so you hold on to that subway card. You really make sure that it's not going anywhere. And I think that people need to really feel the, the real financial burden of not, of, of over-consuming. Well, Mickey, you are a true visionary and change maker in that you see things that don't yet exist and should exist, and you're also able to make that happen and convince people that the new solution is truly what makes more sense and is better for everyone. I'm curious, what are some other industries that you feel like we really need to disrupt for the better right now so that we can be less wasteful, less extractive, and live healthier and happier lives? I mean, stuff. We don't need a lot of stuff. I mean, like going into department stores makes me kind of sick, honestly. I think that we should just have just what we need and cherish the things that we that we have. You know, I think about my my home, right? Like I purchased a home because I needed the space to take care of of my family and and in my home are just the basics plus a ton of plants. Mm. I have like maybe a hundred plants <laughs> in my house and around my plant my house. That. And, and it's just everywhere. And that's all, that's all we really want. And that's all we really, we, we have, we have a couple of, you know, a few rugs we bought from Morocco and a couch and like, you know, whatever, but like, we don't have anything extra than, than what we, than we absolutely need. And I think that that's really, really important because we, we just don't need it. Well, actually, we're actually much happier. Like the minimalist world, the minimalism is actually like, it's, it's, it's growing. It's making people excited. Like the Marie Kondo thing is getting, is, is really picking up heat. I love that. I love that people are, it's like, it's like cherish what you have and get rid of everything that you don't, you know, this weekend, we're again, going through our closets one more time, getting rid of all the silverware that feels like from like 1993 that we haven't, we just kept and we don't need. And when we moved into our home, we got rid of like 80% of our stuff we're, we're now going to get rid of another, you know, 10%. And, and we want to just have only the things that bring us absolute joy in our homes and only the things that are absolutely useful. You know, if we have not worn the thing in a, in a year or two, then give it away. There are buy, sell, trade places. Give it away. Give it away to homeless shelters. You can call shelters. They'll come pick up your stuff. Gladly they'll take it. Just have just what you need and you'll we'll be much happier. Mm. Do you feel like our masses are coming to this same realization that we're, we're drowning in all this stuff and we really don't need all this or, or else how do we work against these giant corporations that are constantly indoctrinating us of what we need in order to be well? Yeah. I think it's just really about influence, right? And I think if influence, if the influencers say like, Hey, I choose experience, great experiences and travel over getting a watch, right? Rolex watches are kind of of the days of the past. People don't really care about watches anymore, <laughs> right? Or, or people don't care about fancy like pearl necklaces anymore or jewelry. I mean, like, I guess people like still like their bags and shit, but I don't have a, I literally don't own a single purse. I don't own a single purse. I, <laughs> I could care less about a purse. I have like my phone that also is like a phone wallet thing that like I carry and that's it. And I choose travel and I choose experiences. I choose taking my son to 
around the world and seeing seeing the world and and doing things that nourish his soul and 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 help him be active and 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 feeds his curiosity and 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 it's just not about stuff like whenever people get him toys like he's he's excited for one second then he's like off doing something else and so stuff is just such a fleeting momentary two second thing it's really about experiences is about purpose it's about love it's about positive energy spreading that it's about it's about nature it's about family it's about friendship you know it's about deepening all those things that's all that matters the rest is just noise and ego and bullshit mm, i agree we have to really reconnect with the things that truly matter to our lives and yeah. to close if you were to leave our aspiring change making listener with some tips on how they can go about creating disruptive change as you have so that collectively we can realize the world that we want for ourselves, what would those final tips be? In my book, Disrupt Her, I, I, I have a little character named Arby, the rubber band that you put around your wrist to really hold you accountable. And Arby, the rubber band basically tells you that before you purchase anything, you have to twirl her around your wrist three times. And then ask yourself, do I really need that thing? Is it just an instant gratification thing or do I really, really need it? Is it really going to help the planet? Is it going to really help my, my, my health? Is it going to really help my, my spirit? Is it going to really help the overall like, happiness of my life? Or is it just a momentary thing that I'm bored and I just want to get something just to like give me that like dopamine for five seconds in a release? And after the third twirl around your wrist, or you can twirl your ring around your finger or something, just giving yourself a beat before you buy something is actually really, really important and will, will help you be like, you know what? I don't need it. I don't need that thing. I mean, you know what? I'm going to buy another plant. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to let it like plants are so good at cleaning the oxygen and bringing more oxygen into the house, bringing more life, more love, more inspiring, like energy. It's like when I see my plants are so healthy and vibrant, it just makes me feel like, like alive. And, and that's the shit that matters. And so I, I hope that people just take a beat, twirl something around your finger, around your wrist three times before buying something, you know, before making an impulse buy. And I think that will be a huge, huge thing. And just ask, is this good for my health, good for the planet, good for my soul? That's it. So you may have heard from my last few episodes, I am bringing back our 2020 Green Dreamer planners, and that should hopefully be ready by December. Making last year's version was a huge learning curve for me, and to improve upon that, in addition to featuring the major environmental awareness dates to note, weekly inspirational quotes from our past guests, as well as spacious two full spreads dedicated to each week so you can dream big, plan, and make the most of each and every day, the Green Dreamer planner will also be printed on a 100% post-consumer recycled paper instead of last year's FSC but virgin paper. And it's also going to be printed locally to me and hand-bound in Los Angeles instead of overseas as it was last year in China. I will keep you posted along this creation process, but if you may be interested, you can sign up to our weekly digest at greendreamer.com slash subscribe to stay updated and also so that I can gauge interest on whether this is something that I can continue doing. For now, though, to our final five. Let's power through. What's an uplifting social media account or a publication you follow or a book that's been really profound for you? Yeah. So uplifting account, uh, uh, sort of thing that I follow is called the optimist daily. And instead of reading the stupid news, that's just all clickbait bullshit, untrue, like, <laughs> 
like just for the sake of advertising race to the bottom nonsense, I suggest reading The Optimist Daily. And what they do is they collect all of the greatest human innovations, all the things that humans are doing that's like good for the world, good for the planet, good for humans, good for society, good for the system, good for everything. And they collect it and and put it together in a newsletter. So I would check out The Optimist Daily. It's a really, really cool publication. What do you tell yourself to stay positive and inspired? I spend time with my child because he's just a just a walking inspiration. His favorite word is wow. <laughs> and is his first word too. And he's just a just a wonderfully I mean, just just being around children. It's just like magical. Being in nature, being around plants, being around just the natural elements is just really, really inspiring. Being around my inspiring friends who are all doing cool shit, moving my body, going to places like Burning Man, going traveling the world, doing work that inspires me, that supports the world, that helps people, that teaches people. That's really, really important to me. I think it's it would make people feel really good about doing that kind of work. Mm. What's one thing you're working on right now for your health? I am uh, going to physical therapy every single week for my knee because my, my right knee has, I've had three ACL reconstructions on, on my knees, two on my left, one on my right. My right knee is kind of like been struggling a little bit. And so I've been going to physical therapy diligently every single week and I've been working it. I went to yoga yesterday, but uh, I, I also get massages to about two hours every single week. You know, it was 90 minutes for the last five years, but now I started, I switched to two hours every single week because my body just needs it. So I do two hours every single week come what may of massages on my body and physical therapy once a week. And then I, I do, you know, yoga or bar class or work at my gym three times a week. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I put it after my kid. I'm, I'm pretty much active all the time, but really focusing on, on my knee, my knee's health right now. Mm -hmm. And then I'm, I'm now that I'm back from the burn and back from the crazy summer, my meditation practice is going to get back in full effect. What are you working on right now to elevate your positive impact for our planet? other than disrupting all these industries? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, really focusing on building tushy. I mean, it's really, really changing the game for health hygiene, the planet. I mean, it's, I'm so passionate about it. I'm so passionate about saving trees. I'm so passionate about really shifting culture and societal thinking around just toilet paper consumption, this crazy fact that we're just wiping with dry paper. It's so integral and imperative that we we support our whole body health. You know, we think about that part of our body, our vagina and our butt, right? Like that part of our body feels the most pleasure. That part excretes the stuff our body doesn't need. That part of our body creates babies and creates human life. Without that, we wouldn't be here. I mean, that part of our body is so, so integral and yet we neglect it. We, we shove things in it that, that that's bad for us. That's bleach. That's processed. We wipe it with rough paper. We, we just don't, because it's, because there's shame around it. There's shame around because it's considered sexual. But meanwhile, it's just a procreating place, a place that that's just important. And, and because it's been indoctrinated and deeply conditioned to be a place of sexual nature and oh my God, <laughs> it's overlooked and, and, and we don't take care of it and we need to wash it with, with kindness. We need to love it. We need to take care of it. We need to clean it properly. We need to honor it. And, and the way to do it is by, is by, is by just taking care of it properly. And, and water is the first way to do it. And while we're doing it, while we're honoring our body, honoring the part of our body that does so much for us, we are also supporting the planet, supporting our pocketbook, supporting our lives. It's just, it's just, I'm so deeply passionate about shifting culture and, and I'm seeing the zeitgeist shift. I'm seeing major publications talk about it. I'm seeing the millions of people who've, who've tried it and used it and, and who own it and who think it's excellent and who 
whose lives are changed by it. And it's keeps me motivated that now more and more people are coming up to me and saying, Mickey, I've, I used it. My friend has it. Oh my God. What was I thinking? I bought one. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> I don't understand. My life was like, that just keeps me going every single day. Mm. And what makes you most hopeful for our planet and world at the moment? What makes me so hopeful for the planet and the world is that this generation, the next do care, I think, about what's happening with the planet, are concerned. And and when there's concern, there's action. And I think that it starts with with a deep concern. And I think that this generation, the next, are 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 really concerned and and therefore are mobilizing, are taking action, are petitioning, are doing things. I mean, you know, Shatescat Martinez started Earth Guardians, you know, he sued the US government with other Native American friends and his friends to to really say, hey, you're leaving the planet for us like, sh- like not well. And 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 you know, it's like stop caring caring about the next quarterly return and care about us and care about the next generation. What's the point? What's the point of making money when we're all going to fucking die? It's like, let's just, let's just honor the planet. Let's honor the next generation. Let's just, let's just be kind, kind to her. Let's be kind to the planet. And I think that this general concern and dissatisfaction and frustration will result in, in people being more conscious, using less, buying products that make sense, stopping the single-use consumption business, petitioning for cities to stop that too, to ban those things, and, and the world will correct. I think it'll, I think it'll happen. Well, Green Dreamer, to learn more and stay updated on Mickey's work, you can head to www.mickeyagrawal.com where you can find information about all of her projects going on. But Mickey, I'm going to let you pitch each of your projects and tell our listener where to learn more. Yeah. I mean, first is definitely check out my Instagram account at Mickey Agrawal. I post so many of my lessons, learnings, thoughts, you know, around building business, creating change, disrupting the world on that platform. And my team and I, we really spend so much time putting these content together. So I, I really hope you check it out at Mickey Agrawal on Instagram. I also really respond to, to most of my DMs. So definitely if you have any questions or thoughts, check it out. Um, also, if you go to MickeyAgrawal.com, my, my team and I spent, you know, the whole summer working on a 50 two week email offering where we it's we're for free, hundred percent free. If you go to mickeyagrawal.com, you can just sign up for Mickey's moves. And I basically, I spent the last 15 years of my life figuring out what moves to make to really build successful businesses, you know, to well over $150 million collectively, my businesses are, are valued at to really create value for our, our shareholders, for the planet, for our employees, for the world, for people. It just, it just, you know, how do you create value from just an idea? How do you really shift consciousness? How do you disrupt your life? How do you disrupt your health? How do you disrupt all the things in your life? So definitely check out and sign up on, check out my, you know, Mickey's moves. It, you, you can sign up on that at mickeyagrawal.com. I would also uh, definitely please check out hellotushy.com. Get a Patushi bidet, get a travel bidet. They will change <laughs> your life. I, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm just like, I, I'm such an evangelist for this product because it just, it's game changing and follow along. And, and we have so many more products coming soon. So, so check those things out. Thank you so much for listening. And, and I look forward to having more conversations with you over Instagram and, and et cetera. Thank you. All of this will be linked in our show notes at greendreamer.com. So make sure to come back to reference all of this so you can keep getting inspired by Mickey's work. Mickey, thank you so much for joining us today and for giving us hope that we can truly disrupt our status quo for the better. What final words of wisdom do you have for us as Green Dreamers? 
that it just takes one step every day, one important move every day to to walk towards a greener, healthier planet, to walk towards a greener, healthier you, to walk towards a more inspired you. So just take that, make that move, make that one single move every day and, and you got this. Green Dreamer, thank you so much for tuning in. To support the show, access extended content, and join our Green Dreamer network, you can head to greendreamer.com support for more information. To receive weekly solutions-driven news around ecological regeneration and intersectional sustainability, you can sign up to our free Green Dreamer Weekly Digest at greendreamer.com. And if you'd like to come say hey to let me know that you're tuning in, you can find me on Instagram at greendreamerpodcast and at Kamea Shane. Finally, as we're wrapping up here, just remember, now more than ever, our planet needs your light to thrive. So if you haven't yet, hit subscribe and I will catch you later, Green Dreamer.